Welcome back to the Loftcast, QPR's official podcast. I'm Ian Taylor from the QPR media team and today I'm joined by Andy Sinton and Paul Morrissey as we look back on our excellent victory against Reading on Thursday night as well as switching attentions to Saturday's local derby against Fulham at Loftus Road. We'll also be joined by Ryan Manning, seemingly the R's lucky omen and the man who provided the assist for our match-winning goal on Thursday night. And they've got a chance to exploit a bit of space from Zvolek, tracked across by Liam Moore, only Mackey to aim for. Little cut back to Manning. Mackey slams it into the back of the net and Queen's Park Rangers take the lead. Manning swept it towards Mackey. Was it a little pass? Was it just a mishit shot? Mackey doesn't care. He drives it into the back of the net and Queen's Park Park Rangers lead at the Medeski Stadium. It's Reading nil. Queen's Park Rangers won. I guess there's only one place to start then, guys. Um, Thursday night's win at, at Reading. And looking back pre-match, uh, Andy Sinton, it, it was a, a fairly bold team selection, wasn't it, when you take into account uh, Paul Furlong. Paul Furlong? Darnell Furlong. Um, it's easy to mix those two up, isn't it? Darnell Furlong coming in uh, for his first start in the absence of James Perch, who was ruled out through illness. Ryan Manning starting for the third game in a row. Um, and in a 3-5-2 formation against the Red inside, who were absolutely flying. Well, it was always going to be a tough game. You know, you quite rightly say red and flying. Uh, surprised a lot of people this season. Uh, doing really, really well. Taking a lot of plaudits from various quarters, and rightly so. Yep, Stam's done a great job. Uh, so for us to go there, um, obviously went with the game plan. The uh, game plan was to uh, probably to concede a little bit of possession. But, you know, in areas of the pitch, that one going to hurt us. And i actually say I thought it was an outstanding away performance, outstanding team performance. And a, a performance when I was watching, you could see exactly what had been worked on and what the manager wanted from the team. Yeah, the game plan executed to a T. Um, looking back, Paul, it was uh, quite a nip and tuck opening, wasn't it, for the first 10 minutes or so? But once Rangers really got hold of proceedings, they went on to, to really dominate that first period. Yeah, it shows you as well that you can't get too carried away by statistics because if you look at the possession statistics, there was only one team in it. But if you're actually at the game and seeing how the game's unfolding, there was only one team in it, which was the other team, because we were the side creating the chances. We seemed to be happy for Reading to have possession in certain areas of the football pitch. And then when we broke, and dare I say it, we've not been in a position to say this too often, when we attacked, we always looked threatening. And this isn't against a team that's struggling. Like you've said, Reading were flying. They'd won nine of their previous 11. Won nine of their previous 11. Only lost once at home all season. They're one of the form teams. And we were carving them open almost at will on the attack. And Pavel Showek for me, was the star of the show. Jamie Mackey got the goal and it was brilliant to see him get on the score sheet after what's been a, a difficult 18 months since he's returned to the club. But... Everything was going through Pavel and every time he got the ball, Reading didn't seem to know how to live with him. And the goal when it came was, was thoroughly deserved, wasn't it? It was a great break, a, a fantastic pullback, uh, a sublime pass, I think. We'll ask Ryan Manning later. Sublime pass from Ryan Manning and, and a really powerful finish. But you touched on, I think it was in the last pod we did, about uh, Pavel Showek's, um ability to spot a man when he gets to that byline. And uh, it was all his own creation, wasn't it, that, that led to the ball back to Manning and then Mackey does what he does best. Well, we did say uh, when we spoke about Powell, how much improved he was getting you know the more games he was playing he was becoming a threat but as a as a former wide player myself I you know people in wide areas can get a little bit excited they get in areas and just put it in and there's a time and a place just to put it in but Powell's got this great ability to to wait and to 
defenders will always retreat towards the Rangel. So he actually cuts it back behind them for um, either midfield runners coming on or strikers making clever movement and brilliantly executed goal. Um, the, only, the only worry was that you got to half-time and we were only one up because on another yeah. day we could have been yeah, two or three up. Jamie Mackey had the effort that was just deflected wide of the post and uh, earlier Silla. in the piece at 0-0, Drissa Silla had a chance at the back post. So there were a lot of chances and you, you looked at the break and you thought, well, Redden have been really poor, but then we were having a discussion in the media area, weren't we, saying, well, is that perhaps owing to how good QBR have been? Mm. And you mentioned from an organisation and shape point of view, it was it was on the money in that first period. Yeah, as I say, we just uh, the game plan was obviously to drop off. You know, they must have played... I would have loved to see their possession stats and pass completion amongst their, their, their back three, you know, but uh, they're not going to hurt you, 75 yards from goal. So let them have it there, frustrate them. And actually, we, we shut all the passing corridors, all the avenues, there was very little space. Mm. And I actually think, I know they had a header late on, but I actually think Redden, dare I say, just ran out of ideas a little bit. But that's credit to QPR and the way they were set up. And not only the way they were set up, the players had to go and execute mm. the game what plan. the plans was, and mm. 10 out of 10. Joel Lynch said that afterwards as well, didn't he? He said in the final 10 minutes, Redding seemed to have run out of ideas, which is why they were just hoofing, hoofing it into the box and just seeing what developed from it, which is almost an, another tick in the box for QPR being successful. And that's not moves. a trait, really, you'd associate with QPR in recent times, game management. But that was, you know, we've spoken to players throughout the last few weeks, especially during that Baron six match uh, losing run. And you always thought, QPR are going to concede in the last 10 minutes. Mm. I didn't really no. get that feeling at the Majeski. The pleasing thing for me, I think, uh, I think I've think i been on this uh, Loftcast many a time and said our best player this season has been Alex Smithy. Yeah. And we've relied on him far too mm. much. At times we've been far too open. But you know, the other night, did Alex have to make a save? Quietest, you know, probably the quietest game he's had in his QPR career. So we'll, we'll, we'll take that. Do, do you uh, prefer us with the three at the back? Because I remember for Ian Holloway's first game yeah, against, against Norwich, Norwich yep. he went three at the back and suddenly all the square pegs seemed to drop into square holes. Maybe it suits, very easy to say after a one win, you know, but the performance was excellent. It wasn't just the win, it was the manner. Um, you know, you could say that's probably the most defensive we've been set up, yet it's the most chances we've created. Yeah. It's, yeah. It's, a, it's, a, it's a crazy game, you know, so maybe that formation suits the personnel that we have at QBR at this given time. Um, does, does it suit us at home? Well, it can do. I think Norwich lost the player early doors, but yeah, it, for me, I get fed up of arguing with people about formations. Players win near the game, so that five at the back can very much, very quickly become yeah. a three at the back, back into a five when the opposition mm. have got the ball, and you treat each game on its merits, and uh, the game understanding the other night, in possession and out of possession, mm. was... Uh, I was really, really impressed and first clean sheet for however many day, uh, games, you know, so uh, long may that continue. It's not a boring way of playing. We frustrated Redden, and as I say, we created chance after chance after chance after chance, and as Ian said, you know, the, the danger was at half-time. We've only, we're only 1-0 ahead, and you think, you know, they probably needed another goal while you're so much on top, but uh, even the second half, we had chances and limited them to very little. The beauty of playing a, a three or a five, depending on how you look at it, is that you can get two up front, and uh, Mackie alongside Silla was always a threat. But Powell Showick was, was unplayable at times, wasn't he? He was, was rightly named man of the match, and he was playing in a midfield three, so that was a slightly different role for him as well. But um, he's really come of age over the last couple of weeks. Yeah, he's almost grown into his QPR career. You know, he's, uh, he's getting better and better game by game. He's looking fitter, stronger. He's got pace to burn, and as you say, he was 
causing all sorts of problems you know almost to the the point where from a Reading point of view he was unplayable you know um so delighted to see slightly different role for him you know but um i think we shouldn't underestimate the work Silla and Jamie Mackey did for the yeah. team as well. You know, you, you might look at the back five and protected very well by the midfield three. Just but on the back five, and we'll come back to what you're going to say in a sec. But Joel Lynch playing with broken ribs is mm. just shows you know what he's about, and it just shows that there's players at his football club that are willing to go that extra yard. The manager spoke about James Perch. He was on death's door with his illness, but he actually went to the team hotel because he wanted to play. But the doc said, "Look, it's probably not a good idea." But that, that <coughs> says something about what Ollie's done with this group in a short yeah. space of time. Well, that's what you want. And I, I've been at the training ground a couple of times and I've spoken to a couple of people and they say it comes with winning games, obviously. But, you know, the mood, the um, the atmosphere, uh, the feel-good around the, uh, the the training ground seems to be picking up. Um, and that can only be that can only be good. You mentioned Joel Lynch, you know, I wasn't aware of that. Um, yeah, broken about ribs. Broken ribs, you know, but he's a warrior. He's a leader. He's a man. And... Maybe, put it out there. Maybe we haven't had enough of that over the mm. recent recent times, you know. So fantastic for Joel. You know, you 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 wouldn't have guessed it the way he played. You know, he's going into the challenges, going in for headers, and uh, no, brilliant. And on the other uh, positive um, on the night, one of the other positives I should say was that five academy players featuring in the squad: Furlong uh, and Manning both starting the game. Comley and Doughty both coming in, and Olamide, Shadibo, and our new sub. And that that says something about the way that Ollie's integrating his youngsters into the squad now, Paul. Yeah, completely. He, he made it clear almost from the moment he arrived that he wanted to get Darnell Furlong and Michael Doughty back from Swindon. He brought them back, couldn't play them obviously against Blackburn because they were cup tied, but straight away as soon as the opportunity was there to play them, he's done so. With Darnell Furlong, he probably wasn't planning to start him, but did owing to James Perch's injury, uh, illness. And how well did Darnell do as well? And mm. he was just bombing on and bombing on the whole night, wasn't he? And he created such a threat and caused Reading such a problem down that right side with Darnell overlapping for Pavel, giving Pavel that option constantly. It was just, it was incredible. Uh, Amazed me how quickly that partnership you were talking the last developed, time we yeah. spoke on the Loftcast about partnerships all over the pitch, how quickly that developed and how much of a threat that could be going forward. Because if you're Ian Holloway, you look at that team, how well they played as a unit with the little partnerships, and you look at that and think, can I really change that if James Perch is fit for um, this weekend's game against Fulham? I'd be surprised if he did, which again just says. A lot about how well Darnell did, and Michael Doughty came on, and he belies his years with his um, his tactical now, shall we say? There was at one moment where the ball's coming down, and he's waiting for the ball to come down, and it's in injury time, and all day long Michael is waiting to get the nudge to go down for the foul, and he did it expertly, and he did ever so well. But Ryan Manning, it's he's uh, he has been a the real shining star of the last month, hasn't he? He's been a revelation, you know. It's early days in his uh, his career, you know, but he, he's was given his chance um, and he's took it and he's there to stay now it's up to well it's his shirt to lose yeah. you know and he's a, he's a really good kid now we're going to speak to him later on but uh, he's done really really well very impressive Ryan Manning thanks for joining us on the Loftcast three appearances and three wins this first team looks rather easy isn't it <laughs> <laughs> yeah I know it's, uh, it's been a mad couple of weeks to be fair but um, kind of stopping that six game losing streak was kind of a big deal for everyone at the club and then to get you know a couple of wins on the bounce and then the Reading game, which, in all fairness, was going to be the toughest of you know the, the, the three previous games, was a massive result for everyone. And, and to get 
three points, break the kind of little TV yeah, kind of hoodoo, hoodoo yeah. we had. It was just massive for everyone. It kind of just leads to like a good momentum building in the club and a good little kind of team spirit in the change room. So it's kind of been a, a, a great couple of weeks for everyone. You must be having to pinch yourself though, because <laughs> you rewind the clock three weeks probably, three weeks, um, yeah. and your life has seemingly changed in yeah, three literally. weeks. How, how how has it felt? How does it feel now? You're bouncing into training on the Monday morning, looking yeah. ahead to a London <laughs> yeah, yeah. derby against Fulham, and you've got a, a massive smile on your face. No, unbelievable couple of weeks. I went home for Christmas and came back and played against Wolves. It was literally like when I went home for Christmas, I didn't have much thought that I could be playing the following week or make my debut a few days later so literally everything just happened so quickly and it's just kind of an unbelievable couple of weeks and it's loving it so far so just see how long it can, can continue. So even when you went home for Christmas it wasn't even on your radar no. you were obviously training in and around yeah, the first yeah. team at that time but didn't even cross your mind that. No I knew I was, tra I was training a little bit and uh, like thought maybe you know I might have a chance coming up at FA Cup game coming up in January, I said maybe hopefully he might give a few of the youngsters a plug in that. But never did I think I'd be chucked in against against Wolves. To, uh, and the irony is you were left out of that FA Cup going to rest you for the yeah, league game. So it, it, it completely flipped on its head, didn't it? Yeah, honestly, but I wouldn't change it. It's been an unbelievable couple of weeks and just a long way to continue and just keep going. Let's take things back to Wolves then. Um, Molyneux, mm. a, a stadium with great history, um, a fantastic place to make your debut. Let's talk about how it initially came about when did you hear um that you were potentially in line to, to um, feature in that game i didn't really friday yeah the friday before we did uh the day before we did team shape obviously outside of training yeah. session and i literally got thrown in in the starting 11 from there so it was kind of like oh you know maybe there's someone that's not training today and gonna be playing tomorrow um but i just like carried on with it and then i was in the squad and then and that would have been the first time you travel with the squad this season yeah yeah. And then um day before in the hotel room, the hotel and that, there was kind of little rumours about it and the boys were kind of saying prepare for it or whatever. And then literally that morning we had the team meeting and he just said, threw me in and just said, go out and do what, what, what you've been doing, that you've impressed me so far and just enjoy it. What were the emotions when you were told that? I was... <laughs> it was <every> Internally, <laughs> you were yeah, trying to keep yeah, it together. Exactly, yeah, because I didn't want anyone to think, oh, he's nervous, right? So I was just trying to... Play it off as if it was just every every other like just another game. game. Yeah, but many senses. It was probably good that it came so late. It didn't give you too much time exactly. to think about because sometimes you can overthink it and exactly. overplay it, and that's where the nerves build. Do you remember going back to? I mean, obviously you had a you had a great career for QBR and England, but do you remember the first game, first professional game where you were told, yeah, Andy Sinton, you're making your professional debut? Yeah, I, I made mine against Wolves as well. For Did you? Cambridge as a 16 year old, um, and I was pretty much in the same boat. Uh, it was a night game, and I got told about four o'clock. So. Again, you haven't got much time. Yeah, exactly. And youth's a great thing because you don't really overthink it. But when you haven't got any time to actually think about it, you just I think it does you a little bit of good. So, uh, and you yeah. showed that in the first 10 minutes. Um, you got on the ball quite a lot and Molyneux, didn't you? You hit a couple of really yeah, good diagonals yeah. out to the left-hand side. And did that kind of settle you yeah, down? Yeah, exactly. Because that was probably what I was most nervous about was getting the first few touches out of the way. and just you know, The last thing you want is a heavy first yeah, touch. Yeah, exactly. And when I got them few and got a couple of diags, and I was thinking... You know, that couldn't this have gone any better. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> couldn't have gone any better for me. And then I just kind of grew into the game. Then I kind of stopped, you know, thinking it was my debut and just, you know, try to carry on as if it was another game and just try and get that, try and get a goal. And then we got the goal and and we conceded, which was kind of a, a nightmare at that time. But then 
uh, you know, to win it in the last few minutes was just unbelievable. And there was a lovely scene at the end there where I think it was Mark Bertram pushed you over yeah, right in yeah, front yeah, of the, yeah. the travelling thousand, thousand yeah. or so QBR fans. I'll take the acclaim. Yeah, you <laughs> could see the smile on your face. And you got an unbelievable ovation from the Rangers. Yeah, no, it was an unbelievable day. To be fair, I wouldn't have, I didn't, didn't think it'd go as well as it did. So I was just absolutely over the moon with it that night. It was like cloud nine. Couldn't sleep right. I couldn't. Sleep. I slept less after the game than I did the night before. Yeah. So, that was a, it was a mad couple of days. Mad couple of days. So um, we, we spoke about three weeks ago, or the man three weeks, you know. But a new <coughs> manager comes in. You know, uh, you haven't really had a look in under the previous re uh, regime. Yeah. Ollie comes through the door. What's that? Obviously, you're in the side, but did you look at a new manager coming in and think you know this is a yeah. this is a fresh opportunity kind of try and impress him um, exactly yeah because I'll let you into a little secret I watched training a couple of times after the Villa game and I think he put you into the training and he came over and he said to me he said uh, I really like this kid he said he, he he's got everything I'm looking for little did you know uh, he, yeah. you were going home for the, the Christmas break yeah. but that already I think his mind was made up uh, more or less after the Villa game that you were going to play but Ian Holloway coming through the door, how's that changed life for you? Yeah, well, it was just that the, obviously under the previous regime, I didn't have much of a look in. And I was obviously frustrating, period, yeah. Because, you know, when it's just a difference of opinions, isn't it? So it's just football. the previous, yeah, previous manager didn't, obviously didn't see something that, you know, appealed to him. So when the new kind of change of management came in, I just thought, you know what, just go out and just fresh faces to, to, uh, to play in front of and fresh opinions to be made. So, so you looked upon a new yeah. manager as a new challenge for yeah, you personally? fresh slate. I just said, look, fresh slate at QP War now. And just went out and tried to, to impress him. And lucky enough, he, he'd seen something that he liked. And I've kind of just kind of pushed on from there. And, and not, not going to look back now, hopefully. <laughs> because when you arrived, correct me if I'm wrong, you arrived really as a 10, didn't you? Yeah. And now yeah. You're, you're almost an 8 central midfielder. Yeah. So again, that's been difficult for you, I'd imagine, to make that that almost transition exactly, from being yeah. a, and a, a more attacking player in a pivotal role behind a front man to now being ushered back into midfield. Yeah, exactly. It took a little bit of time to kind of adjust to it and you know get used to more defensive side of the game because obviously when you're playing as a ten or a striker, you're kind of thinking more in the opposition box rather than your own box. Whereas when you're kind of sitting in midfield, and especially the last few games we played, we've been solid defensively. You know, which has been the kind of foundation that's mm. that's got us the wins. So, like, that does take a little bit of time to adjust to and, and get used to. You've got to be more disciplined. Yeah. More, more emphasis on the mental side of the exactly, game. Yeah. Keeping your concentration, keeping your focus, yeah. communication. Yeah, especially all that comes when there's into play. guys running in behind you, <laughs> coming out, popping up left and right. You have to be proper concentration. So it does it does take a bit of time to get used to more the defensive side of it. But I prefer I prefer playing more centre midfield. You get more on the ball you get more, more involved. involved exactly you can't you don't really go when you're playing the tennis strike you can go periods in the game where you don't touch it and you kind of that's when you lose concentration and then it's just kind of I, I find it a lot easier when uh, you're kind of involved the whole time easier to play keep concentration the Ipswich game then at Loftus Road the under 23s when you you play in the under 23s five times a year you do play games at Loftus Road do you think that that helped prepare you for for that Ipswich game, because there's nothing like playing in front of your own supporters yeah. in your own stadium. And, and whilst you've played under 23 football there and the, and the crowd hasn't been there as such, has been yeah. 500 to 1,000 maybe. Yeah. Do you think that preparation almost helped prepare you for yeah, the visit of the Because Because Loftus Road is quite a tight stadium. It is quite, it does take a little bit of getting used to when you come in and play in it because that Molyneux is massive pitch. And that was fine when you make your debut because like, Lots of space and that, and I was delighted with that. But when you come to Loftus Road, it's a tight pitch, and the fans are quite like right up, up on top, yeah. So 
the fact that I have played there a good few times, you know what to expect. You know it's going to be quick and fast, and people are going to be tied to you quick. So that did help making my debut. I knew that I'm not going to get more than two or three touches on this ball. I just need to get get it and move it. And knowing that from playing there previously was a big help in in like your decision making when you when you made my debut. Yeah. And of course, Pavel comes up with another late winner and yeah. the scenes at full time there were, were really something exactly. special, weren't they? Exactly. And that's a big thing as well because in, in the six-game loser streak, a lot of the goals we conceded were, were late on yeah. and that was kind of becoming like a, a nearly, not, not an accepted thing, but it was nearly a given that we were going to late on, we were going to be susceptible to, to conceding goals. Mm. But the fact now that we've gone out and uh, scored two late goals against Wolves and Ipswich, that kind of gave us a little confidence boost saying, you know, we can be the ones that go and, and win games later on rather than losing games. And then keep a clean sheet against Reading away was just another kind of confidence boost with the whole squad. You know, we can we now have a clean sheet and, and that's, that's, that's exactly the what we needed. first one for a while, wasn't it? Exactly, First yeah. one for a while and managers used to say to me, you know, you, uh, you want to play attacking football, but clean sheets actually win your games. Um, so... And you played your part in that, so it was really, really so, good. Yeah. I think it was a manner of that performance at Reading as well, because Reading, we went to the Majeski and Reading were flying high in third, and Yapstam's team have yeah. got an unenviable home record. Yeah. Um, absolutely outstanding at home exactly. this season. But from minute one, really, we, we dominated that first period. And whilst they enjoyed quite a lot of possession, yeah. territorially, we always looked like we could hit them on the counter-attack. And obviously that goal... Um, was it a pass or a shot? We'll get on to that in a second. But Definitely that goal pass, was, wasn't it? that came from a classic counter-attack, didn't it? And Pavel was a huge threat throughout. And, yeah. and Jamie Mackey and uh, Idris Asilla linked up superbly. But the goal when it arrived, what, what came through your mind? Because Pavel pulls a great ball back. And we spoke about this on the Loftcast last week, didn't we? About Pavel having that ability um, to cut unique back, ability yeah. to just, maybe not to even make it look like it's an obvious ball on, but he pulled it back to you. And then you shot slash passed. Um, and Jamie Mackey <laughs> finished it. Come on in, clear it up. I think there no, was a poll on Twitter. Seventy-nine percent of QPR fans said <laughs> said that it was a pass and not a mishit shot. Set the record straight for us. No, it was it was a pass because when I was there we go. When I was running down the pitch, I was checking to see where Jamie was, and then obviously if it had been the other side and it came on my left foot, I was shooting that all day long. But <laughs> it was the fact that it came on my right, and I knew Jamie was in the back post region. I just knew I was just going to feed this round the corner and. and Lucky enough, well, not lucky enough, but it was perfectly like it just perfectly landed from we got the goal, so it was just uh, a delight of it, really. So your first assist, yeah, get that out of the way, exactly, because that's one of the things is you know you come in as a young player and you make your debut and that, but after a few games, it does become a little bit of an expectation to start, you know, being a, like getting assists or getting goals, you know, that does become part of the game. Like if it was a senior player he'd be expected to, yep. to pop up with assists and goals. So to get my first one on my third game was just, it's just to get it, not get, yeah, get it out of the way because there are things that can just, just kind of play, in the, back of your play mind, in the back of your mind and it can just become a, a big deal, you know, in a few, in a few months. Also, time. in your mind, you probably feel you've made a major contribution because you've assisted to the winning goal, three yeah. points, three wins in a row, exactly. climbing the table. So it obviously makes you feel great about yeah, yourself as well. Confidence boost for myself as well. So just little kind of milestones like that to get out of the way early and just kind of settles me down even more, gives me more confidence and then the fact that it was three points and, and assisted, you know, Jamie delighted for Jamie as well, getting his first goal back after, you know, a tough tough few months out with an injury, so it was just a kind of fantastic night overall, really, down and Reading. And what was great about that as well, and I, I spoke to the chairman about this over the weekend and he was saying it was fantastic to see five academy guys 
in that squad, um, four of which featured on the night, didn't they? Because Brandon came on late on as well, didn't he? Olamide was on the bench, he wasn't used. Osman Kakai has been in the squad this season. Um, and both Darnell and Michael Doughty featured as well. Yeah. That must be a real boost to you guys, because you're looking around the dressing room now, and there's guys that you know, that you've, you've, you've played with, and yeah. trained with here at Arlington. Yeah, exactly. There's, there's been a lot of debuts this season, I think. And, you know, credit to credit to you know the, the managers for, for throwing us in and just you know blood and youngsters and um, it only helps with it only helps with the confidence of all the young boys to know that we can we can get in the first team if we just you know keep training and hard put our minds to it and come in every day with the the, the goal of, of playing with the first team and as well it's going to help with the, the younger boys in the academies even like the youth team the 16s teams mm. it's just going to know that Something to aspire to. Yeah, a exactly. Pathway, yeah. There's a pathway, pathway yeah. and there's, there is a there is a, a goal there, and there is a chance for them to play with the first team. And it just it just brings everyone's kind of spirits in, in the whole club up that they can play with the first team, and there is a kind of a little kind of link between academies and first team. So it is it is a good uh, a positive thing for the for QP World that that our youngsters are getting a chance. A few questions from Twitter because we put this out to the uh, Twitter fan base over the last couple of days. Um, John McDonough says, uh, sorry, John Donner says, after spending two years at the club and not getting a chance, how frustrated were you during that period? Yeah, it was it was tough. Like the first few months coming over, I was kind of settling in and that, so I wasn't really, like, I was thinking about it, you know, obviously in the back of my head, I wanted to, to play as soon mm. as possible. But I knew that it was going to be, you know, an adjustment period. And then last season there was just frustrating to not be involved at all and to be, you know, training. I felt I was doing well in, in patches and... I wasn't getting rewarded. You know, that's football. You play well, you don't play well at times. And during the kind of times when I thought I was playing well, to not be kind of getting any anywhere near the first mm. team was kind of like kicking the teeth nearly each time it happened. But then I was kind of this season, then I came back, and I thought I've been doing a lot better this season than, than the last couple. So uh, I was just delighted that when the new manager came in, he kind of seen something, and I got training with the first team a lot, and now I made my debut in that. So it was, it was a tough period. Yeah, not gonna lie, frustrating. Probably frustrating was the word to be, to be honest. But uh, I'm just delighted now to kind of got my chance. And Can I just jump in there, Ryan, as a, as a player, because I think people might not understand that when you are really frustrated and you don't feel as an angle for you to get in the first team, but you've still got to come in every day. Mm. You always say this, don't you? You say every training session is an opportunity to impress. You've, you've said that on numerous podcasts in the past, and this is a classic, a classic example. example. Because I say I go back to that training session, I think you got yourself in the side against. And I might be totally wrong, and I'm, I'm some sp- conversations you've had. Uh, I think you got yourself in the the first eleven at Wolves by how you trained. Um, obviously, results hadn't gone particularly great before yeah. that, so Ian was looking to to possibly change it up. But in training, you've actually showed him something. Exactly. That he wanted, maybe it was with your attitude. He said to me, "He's got some hunger, he's got some desire, he's got a point to prove, and you know that's what we need here." So every credit to you. No, every exactly. credit yeah, training, training is a big uh, opportunity to. You enjoy training, don't you? You can see yeah. it when you're out there. You enjoy. Yeah, it. especially the, to be fair, the, the training with the first team has been like, like I'm lo- loving it so far. Like, how the older boys been with you? How the the, the yeah, more senior a, boys? There was a question on here, gamer boy, where you said, "How have the senior members of the squad helped you settle in and gain confidence?" Yeah, they just said to me. All of them just kind of said to me that you know you're never going to forget your debut, so go out there and just enjoy it. Don't overthink it. No one's going to get on to you if you try and do things. You know what I mean? And after the game, they were just all kind of like delighted for me and just telling me just to keep pushing on now and that you know you've got your debut other way. You know, the only way is up now. Just keep working hard and, and kind of be hungrier than ever to to keep to push on now like it's only the beginning which is 
Yeah, perfectly. Like, very true. I'm only at the beginning. I've only played three games. Exactly. You know I mean, now is the time to be training harder than ever. You know what I mean? And trying to push on as much as I can. So they have been a they have been a big help. Like just set, like help me settle into the squad and and kind of give me those little kind of pointers that you you kind of get from the older pros. You know, that they know. Has your mindset changed now? Do you come into training every morning? You, you get out your car and you? I know it's only three games in three weeks or whatever. Yeah. So you're very much at the start of your career in that yeah. sense. But every day, are you feeling like a first-team player? Do you feel like you now belong? Because you, you obviously do. But yeah. What's the, what's that done for yourself now? Is there a different yeah. sort of feel about yourself? Yeah. It's like, I, you know, when you're playing with the 21s and you're frustrated and that you come in every day and you're kind of thinking, oh, you know, it's going to be another another day, you know, training when when you know probably not getting where I wanted to go. But now I'm coming in and there's like, you know, you're training for the weekend, you're training for games, you know, like with the 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 derby at the weekend, you know buzzing to come in and train. Especially and today, because you could be preparing for a game at Millwall yeah, with the under-23s, exactly, yeah. and yet instead you're going to be out here preparing exactly. for Fulham. Exactly, because like, there's nothing like going out and playing with the first team and getting results. You mm. know, it's the whole club. You know, you do it with the 21s team, it's kind of a few of the boys, you and a few of the boys would be kind of buzzing with it, but when you do it with the first team, yeah. the, whole club is, the whole club is like behind it, and it's just a massive... It's a massive occasion when you get three points. Like it is a big, a big deal, especially with the run we were on. So it is when you when you when you're playing with the first team, you're dying to come into training, you're dying for the weekend to come to play games. So I've just been <laughs> loving it the last couple of weeks. Yeah. Paul Stevens has said, I mean, we can hear your broad Irish accent. How's the support in, from back home in in Galway and wherever? Yeah, no, it's been it's been mad. I, uh, Plenty of well wishes. Yeah, exactly. Lots lots of text messages, lots of support from everyone at home and my parents. They've been. You know, getting they're living in Galway at the moment, so have they been over to any matches? Yeah, they flew over for the Ipswich game, so they got my my home debut, which is good. And my godfather and his little boy came over as well, so great. There's good, like it's good to have a little bit like live with my family there. But yeah, the sport's been mad at home. Like, been lots of text messages, as I said, and it's just uh, <laughs> kind of a big change, like change living the, the dream. Overnight. Yeah. <laughs> what now the then? What now? Because you're out of contract this <coughs> summer. I think that's been well documented. Um, You'd like to think that there'll be a contract um, coming soon, um, but is that the next hurdle to try and earn yourself a, a, another professional contract? Yeah, well, well, the contracts and stuff like that—that's kind of like in the the it's in the back of your head a little bit, obviously. But for me, it's just go out now and keep playing and keep playing every week and keep this because winning streak. Because that comes, doesn't it? That just yeah. follows on. If, if, if Ryan's playing every week, it, it falls into place. Well, I'll take care of itself. Yeah. You know, I think a lot of, not just youngsters, but a lot of players these days, they worry about things further down the line. Yeah. If you're doing your bit on the pitch, it'll all fall into place. Fall in naturally, place, exactly. you know, and that's, if I was giving you any advice, you know, and you, you don't really need it, but every day, just keep trying to improve. Yeah. Come in with a smile on your face. It's shining through your enthusiasm. Yeah. And uh, you'll do very, very well. Yeah. Just finally, then, you've received some unbelievable support from QPR fans, Galway fans, yeah. family friends. What what would be your message though to the Rangers supporters who have, who have really backed you ahead of this weekend's game against Fulham, which is a another massive London derby? Yeah, no, I'm just grateful for all the support, everything. You know, it's been the fans have been amazing so far. You know, and then to be kind of rewarding them with three points after which would have been a frustrating period for them, as much as us not getting results to get nine points in the last three games for them has just kind of given back a little bit from us and. The derby's coming up week, next weekend, and that's a perfect, perfect game to, uh, you know, continue this winning streak and kind of put right a lot of the results in the past few years against Fulham. Because I know that they've, you know, there's been a couple of games which haven't been the best results for us. So it's a perfect chance to, you know, get three points, 
put a statement out there and do it at home as well in front of our own fans. So it'll be a magnet like it's a perfect occasion for us to go out and, and, and prove to the fans that we're you know we're we're on the way up and we're gonna we're gonna turn the season around. Here's Sherry from the right hand side, crosses in, Sinner's there! And Idris Asilla has surely won the West London Derby for Queen's Park Rangers! You'd have to say it was cunning! Sherry's delivery from the right hand side! Sinner got beyond the defender, heads in far post, and it's Derby Day glory for the hoops of West London. Great to get the views there of young Ryan Mann and Andy, and he he speaks in really passionate terms about the opening four or five weeks of his QPR career, probably not even four or five weeks, probably two or three weeks, but he really speaks in glowing terms about what he's achieved in such a short space of time, but his feet are very firmly on the ground. I was really impressed with his maturity. He's, you know, sometimes it's hard for a young lad, 20-year-old, to come and speak on mic you know, and get asked questions. You're not, not quite sure what to say. Do you go too much or don't give yourself enough credit or whatever? But I think he's listening to them today, a really impressive young man, and he's done, he's done fantastically well. Pleasing for me, he actually said, you know, it's early days and he comes in every day and he just wants to work hard and improve and that's what it's all about. Yeah, that is what it's all about and hopefully he'll make it four from four this weekend. Another tough fixture. We all know how the last one ended um, against Fulham. That was certainly probably one of the memorable days of the season so far, but it's going to be a tough one, isn't it? Uh, Slavisa Jokanovic's side eased to victory against Barnsley on Saturday and they're only six points off the playoff places. Where will this game be won and lost at the weekend, Andy? Well, where will it be won and lost? That's a hard one. Um, speaking to or listening to people on the radio the other day regarding the Skybet Championship, they were saying uh, Fulham, they thought, were the best football inside in the division. Certainly playing very well. So along with Reading, you know, they'll play a possession game. So will we let them have it at the back again, like the Reading sort of set up and look to hit on the break? Middle of the park for me is always a key area. We've got to deny time, space. Good players have always got to de- deny time and space in certain areas. But, you know, rather than thinking about them, Ollie will know all about their, their strengths and weaknesses. But, you know, we're three in a row. Can we, dare I say it, have we turned a corner? I know it's early days yet, but uh, it's only three weeks ago that we're speaking about six in a row. Mm. But we're now three in a row uh, in a positive light. So we're at home. Engage the fans. Local derby. Let's see if we can get the job done. be difficult to change a winning team, won't it, Paul? Yeah, it will be. Um, like we were saying earlier, how can you... How can you tweak that too much when it was so dominant in terms of chance creation, in terms of being solid at the back against one of the best teams of, in the division? Um, I think one of the challenges will be against Fulham is that Fulham, as you say, are, are flying high. They've only lost twice since October and both those defeats were against Brighton, right, who are top yeah. of the league. So you take those defeats out of it against the table toppers and Fulham are a very, very in-form outfit. Um, also, we're talking about the transitions that are going on in terms of the new manager coming in, it's almost like a transition within a transition. Obviously, Jimmy Floyd Hasselbank came in and there's the, the change of direction the club's undergoing and the changes he's made. And Ollie's come in and he's making his own changes. There's players that he perhaps likes that Jimmy didn't and vice versa. Looking at the start in 11 against Fulham, which was only at the start of October, so it's only four months ago, mm. there's... a only five players started that game against Fulham that started against Reading in our last fixture. So it's like a transition within a transition. So it's going to be interesting to see how we do against Fulham because, okay, it was a great 
day against Fulham at Craven Cottage. We won, but <laughs> we I think open. even the most ardent QPR fan would say we got away with one there. And they've improved drastically since then. I mean, Kearney in the middle of the park. Chris player. Martin's now back in the groove, isn't he, after a difficult couple of weeks for him when he said he perhaps wants to go back to Brighton. But Jukanovic seems to, to be on something there. Um, the fact he's got Martin back in the fold and dealt with that tricky situation so quickly probably speaks volumes about him. So. And he played so well, didn't he, against Barnsley? Yeah. yeah, he did. So it's going to be tough. But with our fans behind us, and they'll have a big role to play on Saturday, we've got to be looking to get all three points. Always lucky. You know, back at Loftus Road. Um, big crowd. Local derby. You know, our fans will be up for it, buoyed by the fact that, you know, we've, we've won three in a row. Haven't got the greatest record against Fulham, but we put a dent in that in October. I'll take the same result. I won't take the same performance because uh, we I think we were very lucky on the day. And, mm. uh, you know, they missed chance after chance and missed two penalties. Uh, so I'll take that result. But um, I would like to think, that, you know, Fulham, or the neutrals watching our game the other night, will have thought, you know what, QPR aren't bad. Yeah. Um, mm. So they'll have noticed our threats um, where we can hurt them. And it's that game of chess, it's a game of cat and mouse, you know, who comes out on top, let's hope it's us. Off the pitch, it's been a busy period as well. Um, last few weeks of the transfer window to go, we've had the opening two weeks, we've got about two weeks to go. Polter Sandro, uh, Polter and Sandro, I should say, have both moved on permanently, whilst Ben Gladwin has gone back to Swindon on loan till the end of the season. Thoughts on those outgoings firstly, Paul? Well, it's with the Sebastian Polter one, obviously it's owing to family reasons and opportunity to go back to Germany, which as he has said is works for him almost as much in his personal life as his professional life at this moment in time. Certainly sorry to see him go because... Great he, guy to have yeah, on the Yeah, brilliant. On the pitch, off the pitch. He really enjoyed engaging with the fans and building a relationship with the fans. He always gave it everything he had. People could see how much he developed in the time he was with the club. He was very raw and he, he just seemed to grow into the, the role and he, he became a, a real threat and he, his style suited the championship so mm. brilliantly. Um, so certainly, sorry to see him go. Um, Sandro, kind of to be expected given um, everybody is well aware that he came at a time where a lot of money was being spent on wages and if you can get those wages off the, off the wage bill, even with six months to mm. run on the contract, Good deal for Rangers. Yeah, and like Ian Holloway said, it's always going to be a difficult situation when you have players who are on those sort of wages in and around the team. I think it was quite a challenge for him from a managerial perspective dealing with that, but I think he's got to take great credit for just how he did deal with it. He mm. got Sandro playing again and, like Ollie says, falling back in love with football again. I think from what Ollie's saying that Sandro perhaps had fallen out of love with, with the whole thing and yep. so he seemed to rejuvenate him get him going again and certainly best of luck to him on, on his move and then with Ben Gladwin he's gone out on loan and he's, he's scored on his, on his debut back, well, his second debut well third debut back with Swindon so again it's a case of him going out and, and again Ollie said he probably needs confidence and yeah. he wasn't going to build that at Loftus Road rightly or wrongly it did seem it was becoming difficult for him to do that so he's been described by a lot of people as a confidence player and it's mm. interesting he's gone from QPR where he's just not feeling confident to Swindon where he has got that confidence about him and he, and he scores as soon as he walks through the, through the doors so Again, hopefully he'll come back the, at the end of the season and 
have that confidence and, and go again. Yeah, and that was against Bolton as well, who are, who are flying high. Mm. So great result for Swindon and, and congratulations to Ben Glandwood. Um, Andy, on the arrivals, Kazenga Lualuar um, is in on loan from Brighton until the end of the season. Uh, there's plenty of other rumours going round, as you'd imagine, at this time of year. Uh, Doughty and Furlong are obviously back as well. We've touched on those. But what can Kazenga Lualuar offer? He came on against... Uh, Reading on Thursday night and almost scored with his first touch, didn't he? Got shot away from the edge of the box, but he's going to give us something. He's got, he's almost got that X factor that, that you need in games. Yeah, something different. Uh, you know, pace can beat people in tight areas. It's uh, played at this level, knows what the league's all about. So, um, so yeah, I'm really interested to see where he's going to fit in, uh, how he's going to fit in, where he's actually going to play. Um, but we wish him well at the club and hopefully he can be successful because if he's bees if he has a successful 20 games or whatever you know we'll be uh, we'll be doing quite well as well so uh, yeah looking forward to seeing him play what else does a manager need in this window then there is just over two weeks to go what else do we require do we need three or four do we need one or two what positional <sighs> additions need to be made i think it's hard to put a number on how many we need you know with certainly like of darnell and doughty coming back and gives you numbers but we've lost two or three Position-wise, if you're asking me, you know, probably another striker. You know, when Silla missed the Blackburn game in the cup, um, Jamie played up there on his on his own. On, on that's his own. Not, that's not that's him. You not want him. him busy around someone, don't so, you? So you know, Connor's out injured. So if, if you probably need a little bit of backup there, um, Luar Luar can play either yeah. side. Can play up there. Can play off someone. So that ticks a few boxes. So but another out and out front man. Striker, probably a dominant. Middle of the park player. You're not asking for much then, since no, not really. But uh, but as I say, you know, with the likes of Manning evolving, Luonga back in the side, Powell getting better and better. Yeah. I don't think we need that many, but we we do need a little bit of uh, reinforcements. Would Defen you agree, Paul, well, just to supplement what we've got? Yeah, and but I wonder if defensively we're uh, centre backs, we're potentially a bit light, particularly if he wants to play three at the back, because we haven't got too many options there. And Ned Manua seems to be a potential cover at right back I suppose that's dealt with now with Darnell being back in the building so you've got two right backs in Perch and Furlong but in terms of centre backs you haven't got many spare should there be any injuries so at the moment as soon as one of our centre backs gets injured we can't go to three at the back or suddenly we're asking players to play out of position so I wonder whether we we'll look at centre back as well. Burton, fixture change, we should talk about this because um, this one we've, we've announced uh, or we announced on, on Monday morning just so everyone's aware now that the home fixture against Burton previously scheduled for Tuesday 14th of February has been brought forward to Saturday the 28th so next Saturday. Andy Sinton, your wife will be happy because you can now spend Valentine's <laughs> Day with I've her. I've got to spend some money. <laughs> Paul Morrissey, your mistress. Oh, uh, sorry, sorry, your wife will be delighted as well. Um, and it's quite a late change, isn't it? Um, but it's a good change because it, it now allows us to get a Saturday three o'clock in the diary, which is something we haven't had at Loftus Road for a long while. Yeah, I, I think it's the element of the short notice, which is a challenge. But unfortunately, the club's hands were tied with regard to that yeah. because it's, it's amazing how our fixture is related to something which is related to yeah. something. Yeah, uh, very much so. So the the Chelsea and Fulham, um, Chelsea and Fulham were both drawn at home in the FA Cup fourth round. So until we had confirmation of when those fixtures were going to be played, we weren't able to get confirmation. But it's confirmed now. Saturday, twenty eighth of January. So next Saturday, we play Burton at home. And um, fingers crossed, between now and then, um, we'll have beaten Fulham, and uh, we'll be back on the airways very soon on the next issue of the Loftcast. 